So it was an honor and joy to be back before you all. If you have a copy of God's Word, join with me this morning. We're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to try to finish the last end of verse 17 in Romans chapter 8. Um, if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We can bring a Bible to you. Uh, if you're not familiar with a Bible, the first part of the Bible, half of the Bible, is called the Old Testament. And the next half of it is called the New Testament. Um, the New Testament, it starts off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then it goes on to Acts. Then Romans is the actual book right after the book of Acts. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 17. During our congregational reading, we actually read several verses from this chapter 8. From chapter 8. So it tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if you're in of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're going to focus on today the last part of there. In order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us as we walk through this verse together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this Lord's, today, Lord's Day. We thank you, Lord, for being reminded us, Lord, through the song we just sung, Lord, all we have is Christ. Lord, if we didn't have you, Lord, it wouldn't be a body of Christ. It wouldn't be a gathering. Lord, you have made it a way for us to gather together because, Lord, what you have done. So we celebrate, Lord, your resurrection today on this Lord's Day. So we celebrate your goodness today, Lord, at this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us. Lord, as I preach your word today, let it be, Lord, you. Let our minds, Lord, be drawn to Christ. Be drawn to you and you alone, not to me as a preacher. Not to Christ Redeemer Church. But, Lord, let the people, Lord, be drawn, Lord, to you, that you have done it all. So, Lord, let your name be praised and be worshipped today. Help me, Lord, in my weakness. That I can preach your word faithfully, Lord. That if it's not of you, Lord, let the ears, Lord, not listen. But all the things of you, Lord, let the ears, Lord, take heed. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us at this time as we walk through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the things we have been learning so far is this assurance we have in Christ. How the Father is our true Father, the Father in heaven. And everything the Father has, he gives to his children. And we heard earlier here in Romans 8 that the true children of God give what the Father gives to them. This past week or last week, I got a chance to have my dad set up his deer stand. And one thing we use, we use a side-by-side. And we also use a four-wheeler. And one of the great things about it is that I didn't have to ask him to use it. He was my dad. And he didn't mind for me to go out there and just jumping out on his four-wheeler side by side to help him with his deer stand. We finished up. 
Me and the kids jumped on the four-wheeler together, and we started riding around through the country on a four-wheeler. And we was able to be free with the four-wheeler. We was able to drive, and the wind was able to blow, and we was having a good time with it. But what if someone else that wasn't my dad's son just walked in his backyard, took the keys, and started the four-wheeler, and just started riding on it? My dad would have ran out the house. Hopefully, he would have called the police. And he would have actually saw that, what are you doing on my four-wheeler? This stranger doesn't have the same privilege as what his son has. I have the same privilege because that's my father. Paul is teaching us that we have privileges, we have things that the world don't have. We have assurance in Christ that nothing can separate from God's love. Everything that Christ has, we have. And Christ knows that we are forgetful people, that we forget these things. And we feel like when stress happens, depression happens, when things happen in our life doesn't go the way we plan, that go as planned, a lot of times we forget what we have in Christ. Paul is saying, don't forget it when hard times come. Hard times will not take away Christ's love. Hard times will not allow Christ to separate himself from you. Hard time doesn't get rid of assurance. But actually, hard time should be a time that we see assurance speaks louder than it ever speaks. So today, we're going to continue to dealing with assurance. You might be asking, like, Paul, we get the point now. We get the point, Paul. Why are you continue giving us this area of assurance? Family, I don't think we get the point. I think this past week showed us that we forgot about assurance this past week. Amen. And if I talked to many of you all at the church or if I talked to you all before church, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys can share with me a certain situation that probably happened. And you probably forgot about the assurance in Christ. And you wanted to put things in your own hands. Amen. If it wasn't you, it was me. I forgot in those moments when things got hard for me, I wanted to put it in my own hands. I didn't think about Christ going to keep me, he's going to protect me, he's going to guide me, that he's going to vindicate my name, that he's the great judge. For me as Christian, I want to be the judge. I want to vindicate my name. I want to put myself in the place of God because in that moment, I forgot about the assurance. But in the words of Brother Rod Shah, you know, you all got it all together. You guys got it good. I don't. So Paul is reminding us today in this text again, brothers and sisters, hold on to assurance in Christ. Hold on to assurance in Christ. So we're going to do it in several points today. We're going to do this in three points. Believers are assured in glorification, 17c. What is glorification? The last point we're going to deal with glorification. Is with Christ. If I could title this sermon today, I would say Assured Glorification with Christ. Assured Glorification with Christ. Let's jump to point number one. Believers are assured in glorification. 
It tells us in our verse here in verse 17, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Paul has been laying out why we can have confidence in Christ. That we won't have to worry about being condemned. We are legally sons of God. That we have been adopted. And there will never be a time when we will be orphans again. He will always be our father forever. That our adoption is not only in this world, but our adoption, it is in the world to come. But also we are his children that we can have an intimate relationship with him because he's our father. That we can go to him any time of the night. Any time of the day, we can go to him because God is our father and we can call upon his name at any moment. different from our experiences in this world. How you might know someone that left the house on bad terms. It's kind of hesitant if the father's going to let them back in the house. But that's not for us. That's not for us. We are his children doing a good and a bad turn and his house and his mansion is always open for his people. So we can come to him in the good we can come to him in the bad, that our Father will always allow his people to be before him. That's the goodness about it. But some of us, with our unbiblical approaches, we feel like when we sin against God, we got to run so far away from him. Now, as unbelievers, I understand for them. But for as believers, when we sin, we can run to him. We can run to his arms. And he freely and freely over again, he welcomes us into his arms. Know where you guys got some unbiblical teaching from that you gotta hide. I don't know where Adam and Eve got it from that they had to hide. But the God I know in scripture though is that we can run to him. But what I find out in scriptures most of the time is that when we run away from him, the people that can run to him, he still run after us. But also we get the privilege, also, not just to be adopted as in Christ, adopted in Christ, we get the privilege also, brothers and sisters, we get the privilege to suffer with him. Talked about this last week. Paul has given us more and more insurance and trusting in the finished work of Christ for our eternal security. Even suffering. Because the fathers have shown us what suffering looked like through his son. When Christ suffered, the father loved his son. The father accepted the suffering sacrifice of his son. So family, we get to imitate Christ even in suffering. Say so you believe in Jesus, you love Jesus, we suffer. Well, I believe in Jesus. When, when somebody told me you put your faith in Jesus, all your problems go away. When you walk down the aisle, you say you love Jesus, that everything will be good the rest of your life. Family, that's nowhere in the Bible. When you follow after Jesus, things get hard. Because now we've got to say no to the things that are not of God. But also on the other side of this, though, is that we start to see the world as a fallen place. It's inevitable. Something's going to happen. Death is going to happen. These things are going to happen. 
friends, lets us know that it's a new heavens and earth that God is preparing that's going to be better than this fallen place. But now today, Paul shares the ultimate purpose of adoption. The ultimate purpose of suffering. We know this because of what the phrase is in our text. It said, in order that we may. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm struggling with, I'm still struggling to learn English at the time. But it says in our Bible, it says, in order that we may. In the Greek, we call this a henna clause. Everybody say henna clause. Henna clause. It communicates certainly or rather uncertainly. Certainty. A henna clause is something that gives, it starts off with a conjunction. For example, when someone says, I may come to your house, it isn't certain that they are coming to your house. It's a possibility, possibility that they might pop up on you, show up to your house. Now, if someone says, I'm coming to your home, I'm coming to your home, that's pretty certain. I'm on my way, I'm coming to your house, that's pretty certain. But someone says, I may come by. It's not certain that they're really going to come by. Something might have to stop here. They might do these things. They might come by. You see the difference? One is uncertain. I may come by. And one is certain that I'm on my way. I'm coming by. Well, Paul, in his text, he uses the henna clause here. Normally when a henna, well, normally when he's using a henna clause, it deals with certain, certainty. Certainty. As we read this, when we see the word, in order that we may or might, some translation might even use the word might, some might take this as some type of uncertainty. Paul is using this in the context, is encouraging us of our assurance of not being separated by God. That if we have the spirit in us, we can't be condemned or cast out. So within this context, Paul is letting us know, though, is that if you're truly believing in Christ, you would not be cast out. So Paul is not giving us any type of uncertainties. But Paul uses this type of language to draw out the homiletics here, to draw out the tension here. So the context is clear about us being glorified with Christ, but also the Greek grammar is clear as well. The word in order that in his henna is in Greek. Henna is a conjunction that when is used with a subjunctive verb means certainly. One source says this about a henna clause. When henna is used with the subjunctive, the mood changes from one of possibility or probability to one of purpose or result. When one words like may or might are used in English, Majority of the time, may or might brings about uncertainty in English. And sometimes in scripture, the word might or may need to be used. For example, in Acts 5.39, it 
But, it, but if it is of God, you will not be able, able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. In verse 39, they took his advice. But our test here today is not a possibility of glorification, but it's actually a certainty of glorification. So Paul is saying is that while he's using this henna clause, in order that we may, in English we listed this and seem some type of doubt. The doubt comes in because of the subjunctive. The subjunctive brings about a mood. The mood brings about possibility that it may or might happen. Because of the actual conjunction in front of this subjunctive, it brings about certainty, though. You might be like, Chris, I don't understand what you're getting at right now. What Paul is getting at right now is this, is that we can bank on the assurance that we will be glorified in Christ. We can bank on the assurance that we will be glorified with Christ. Anytime a conjunction, what you say, here the clause used with a subjunctive, every time it's used in the Bible, it always deals with certainty that it's going to happen. So if I can um, if I can translate this verse, I would say this verse can be translated as this. That we will jointly share in his glorification. The only difference in that translation right there is that it takes away from the mood of it, right? But it tells us that, that we will jointly share in his glorification. In order that we may share in the glorification, but if we actually translate it in English, we translate it in a way of certainty, this can be translated in a way of, it might take away from the mood, but it can be translated that, that we will join him in his glorification. Or that we will share in his glorification. Again, we're working with a Greek language, and we have English. We, we have English language. We're trying to put Greek and type uh, inside the English system. And so what it can be second as is that, that we will jointly share in his glorification. That's how the Greek would have took this. That's how the Roman church would have took this. That Paul is telling us that we're going to share in the glorification with Christ. Not just it's a possibility that we're going to share. That we will share who does we share? Those that we talked about last week. Those that are suffering, those that are heirs, all those people that are sons of God. All of them. They will jointly share in his glorification. Again, we might doubt that if somebody say they might come to our house, I might come over. We might doubt if they're going to come over. Family, we don't, we don't have to doubt this. This is a certainty right now that we will be glorified in Christ for those that are in Christ. And it's not based upon conditions of us. It's based upon what son, the son has already done. Our failures doesn't take away glorification. 
our shortcoming doesn't take away what we get in glorification with Christ. It certainly guarantees that we will be assured glorification in Christ as believers. Second thing we hear. You like pressing where we heard about we're going to get assurance. I believe yes. Amen. We get, we're going to get assurance in Christ. But what is the world is it? Glorification. What do you mean by glorification? That brings it to our second point. The word glorification derives from the word glory. One person says this. Glory of God is the beauty that emanates from his character. From all that he is. goes on to say glory is rooted in his perfection. That's why gossip, murder, homosexuality is never described as glorious. But look here in Exodus 33, 18 and 20. Moses said, please show me your glory. Moses said this in Exodus 33, 18 and 20. Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. So God's attribute of his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and splendor, it describes his glory. His splendor his, is his spirit not referring to his incarnation, physical flesh, that's like a man, even though it's without sin. But his spirit before his incarnation and his new resurrected body displays his glory. God's glory is greater than all his achievements. Because all God's achievement and worse, all of them is for the purpose is to show his glory. Remember that God was fine. Jerry, you might have thought that God had to do this, or God might have to do this. Family, God doesn't need us. God doesn't need any of us in this room. God doesn't need us. God, before we was created, before the earth was created, God was fine. He was okay in heaven, within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God was fine. The glory that he had and from eternity past was already fine. God doesn't need an extra goodness. His goodness is infinite. His glory is infinite. It is not that he need, he need, he need. God doesn't need anything. He's God. He's self-sustaining. And we're not God. We are needy people. Our car break down, we need rods. Right? We need a job at times. We need to eat food. God is not in need of anything. If you ever thought of that, well, God needs me, so I got to go to church. God need, God doesn't need you. God is fine. The triune God is good in all things. But what did God do? God in his glory he created you and me, you, you and me. I'm going to get my phone back. He created us 
to see what he sees from eternity past. What God has been looking at from eternity past, his glory, he created us to see what he's been seeing. Why are we created? We created to see the perfect God and all of his essence through his creation. The trees grow so we can see God's glory. The runner run to see God's glory. The plants grow to so we can see God's glory. How does the plant cells or how did these things work within the plant system? The biology system. How do these things work? How does the electromagnetic field work? God has designed all this for us to see there is a God. There is no excuse. There is not. There's someone to say there's not a God. So as we see all of God's creation around us, God is shouting out, I did that. I did that. All of the points of his glory. So God, for the purpose of his glory, he created the heavens and the earth therein. So all his can see what the triune God has been doing and seeing from eternity past. We can see what God has always saw about himself. Now, he creates a people to see this now. God can say, well, let me just keep this to myself. But God has turned the past and said, no, I'm going to create a people so they can see this. All the points of God's goodness. Morality, beauty, kindness, all derived from God. It is for us to know that these traits is the essence of found in God alone. God alone. When we see Jordan and Acacia, see the sweetness of their marriage? Where does sweetness come from? It comes from God. Everything we do around us, our eyes should be able to see there's a God. There's a God. We have a thing called Sola de la Gloria for God, glory alone. All of the five solas or the four solas point to the fifth solar. It's for God's glory alone. Everything is for God's glory. For God's glory alone. The Catholic Church was started around 600 AD under Pope Gregory the Great. The Catholic Church in the 600 AD had a lot of power at the time. And a lot of the power the Catholic Church had came from the misuse, misuse of God's word. So you had millions of people over the years being misguided and spreading lies about the word. So from the start of the Catholic Church, you always had people to fight against the Catholic Church. Many were killed trying to hold on to God's word because they didn't want to submit to the teachings of the Catholic Church. One gentleman, after about 900 years, after about 900 years of a misuse of God's word, one guy, he was a monk within the Catholic Church, he stood up against them. He stood up against them. And his name was Martin Luther. He was a German 
Augustine Monk. And one thing that came from Augustine as a summary, summarizing of, his, of what he has put out over the years fighting against the teachings of the Catholic Church was the five solas. God's glory was the entire purpose for the Reformation. The Reformation, you might have heard about in history class, the Reformation was people fighting against the Catholic Church. They protested against the church teachings. The soul is pushed back against the Catholic work of righteousness. They were saying is that to be righteous, you have to do S, Y, and Z. certain things, then you can better be a Christian. Then you can better be a better sense. In purgatory, you get a better place in purgatory. So the five solar pushed back against the Catholic words. One solar says this in the Concise Theological Series, says these things about the five solas. The five solas, sola scriptura, which is scripture alone. Sola Christos, Christ alone. This is all in Latin, y'all. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola de la gloria, God, glory of God alone. He said about these things. Sola scriptura mean the only scriptures is our sufficient authority. But the Catholic Church said, no, the Pope is. And the tradition has the fine authority. Whatever the Pope says, hey, he has the fine authority over the scriptures. So Martin Luther come, they came up with this in the Reformation. Sola Christus, the work of Christ. Christ alone is the basis on which the ungodly are justified in Christ. But the Catholic Church said we're not saved by just Christ alone, but we're saved also by the traditions of the church of Rome. Sola fide, in faith alone, that God declares us right with him, not only based on something in us, but only on the basis of an alienated righteousness, a righteousness that is extra known us outside of ourselves. The Catholic Church comes out and says it's not about faith alone. It's about our works before Lord, that we can work ourselves to God. The Reformation says sola gratia, which is grace alone. His grace is monogistic, for he alone works to be bring us dead, lifeless sinners to new life in his son. Moreover, he alone can grant us the faith that believers and work such belief within us so that we embrace Christ as our Savior and Lord. Because the grace does it. The Catholic Church says not his grace alone. Let's talk about this prevenient or type of grace. They even says it about Mary as part of giving out this grace. The last one the Reformation says is Sola de la Gloria. What this person goes on to say, only if our salvation is by grace alone with God, alone receive all the glory. If there is something of our own we can claim, then we no longer boast in Christ alone. But if he, but he, if he is the author and the finisher of our salvation, then he alone is to be magnified for his sovereign grace. That's Christians. These solas should cultivate an attitude of total humility, whether it is in our secular vocation or our praise on Sunday morning. To God alone be the glory.
We see everything points to God's glory. Our salvation and how we are saved, it points to God's glory alone. We are saved by God's grace. That all the things that we think about when I walk down the aisle, I said I believe. We cannot say we believe but God didn't begin to good work in us first. God did it first. It humbles us at the end of the day to say God did it. It's not something to say God did it. God did it, but God did it. Because we're so quick to say, I did it. I did it. We want to get credit for everything, don't we? I turned this project in. I came up with this idea. I, I mean, I did this. But we see here that God did it all. What is glorification? What is glorification? It points us to God's glory. Glorification is when we, as God-created beings, see God's glory in every aspect of our being. When we see God's glory in every aspect of our being, that's glorification. Right now, we're not in glorification because we're still looking at things that, that God called us not to look at. We're still doing things that God called us not to do. Glorification in which when we get to the place that we see all of God's glory for what it is and nothing else. Nothing else. That's glorification. When we see God's glory and that's all that we see. His glory. Not anything that's outside of his glory. His glory not our selfishness. All of these things we want in this world. We see God's glory in everything. That's what glorification. When we get to our place in this in our in our lives, that God is everything. No more sin. No more of this unrighteous anger. No more of this uh, all the other things that's in this fallen world. Everything we see is God's glory and God's glory alone. That's when we are at glorification. Last one here. Something about glorification that we're going to get glorification one day, but family, we don't get glorification by ourselves. The last point is that we get glorification with Christ. In order that we may also be glorified with Him. The Greek, in the Greek word, we may also be glorified, is actually one word in actually Greek. It's a compound word. You might think that, you know, how many words, words that? In order that we may be also glorified with him. I counted 10 words right there. And Greek is only one word. Well, it's in order. Well, it's three words in Greek. It's about three words in Greek. In English, it's 10 words. In Greek, it's three words in here. The Greek word for this is suna dasa samen. Suna dasa samen. What words sound familiar than that? Dasa. Dasa mean glory. Suna dasa samin. Whenever soon begins and in a word in Greek, it pretty much means share jointly with. So at the end of Romans 8:17, we can be translated as jointly share in his glorification. Just like earlier in verse 17. 
the word when it talks about heirs, it's sooner in Greek in front of the word heirs. So what does it mean? We can share, jointly share as heirs. It's sooner also in the word, in the word of suffering in this in, in 17. See, look at the word 17. Put your finger on word 17. Suffering in verse 17. The word suffering also in, in Greek has the word sooner in front of that as well. So also we can join also with join and share jointly with him in suffering. So what Paul is actually doing, he actually spit in some bars. He's actually right. He's saying the same word over. Sooner heirs. Sooner suffering. Sooner glory. He's rhyming here. He brings a harmony to this. He's motivating the people though is that we join, we jointly share as heirs with him. We jointly share as in the suffering with him, family, we're going to jointly share in his glorification with him. Jerry, that sounds like some bars. Them bars. So now, family, after reading this and hearing this now, how about struggling with assurance, assurance after that? How about struggling with assurance after hearing this that we're going to share Shortly with him and glorification. We now join together with Christ. How can we be condemned? How can we be condemned? Because Christ can't be condemned. On top of all of this, is that the greatest thing about God, we even get to partake in as well. If it's all about the greatest thing about God is about God's glory, now we get to join him in his glory. The best thing about God, right? The glorious thing God about, about God is God and his glory. And we even get to share with God in his glory. Everything about God points his glory. His supremacy, his sovereignty, his goodness, his justice, his wrath, his meditation, and etc. A mediation, I'm sorry, his mediation. All of these things are pointed to God's glory. And Paul tells us that we would join him in his glory. God doesn't give his glory to anyone. But we get to join him in his glory because we have been married and adopted by Christ. That's why it tells us in the confession, the souls of the righteous being then made perfect in holiness are received into paradise where they are with Christ Behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. Since we have been made perfect, perfect, the same character traits that are communicable, we will partake in with God. We won't be all knowing, but we will be holy. We will be righteous. We will be wise in our communicable attributes. Some attributes of God are uncommunicable. Some things, even in glory, we would not have, but God would have. The uncommunicable attributes is all-knowing, all-seeing. All those things are placed on God. But the communicable attributes of God's character, we will have and possess. Righteous wise, we will have. We will get new bodies that are not rooted in sin, but in God's eternal goodness. So as we end here, a couple of y'all blinking at me. One person explains it as we end about glorification. 
Listen to this. Since God savingly unites believers to Jesus Christ when he redeemed them, they are guaranteed a share in all the blessings secured by Christ. Those God has already justified in time, he will glorify for all eternity. As Jesus was glorified in his humanity and his resurrection from the dead, so all who are united to him by faith will be partakers of the same glorification. The Holy Spirit is the agent of glorification as he is the agent of the application of all the other benefits of redemption. The Spirit unites believers to Christ by whom they will be glorified on the last day. The glory by which believers will be transformed is the glory of the risen Son. And he ends right here with this. The regeneration of sinners is the beginning of their glorification. Sanctification is the process by which the transformation begins and regeneration is continued in this life. And this transformation is finally completed in the believer's glorification. So family, as God is sanctifying us and making us more like him, we're getting closer and closer to glorification. I remember some sins that I used to commit. I don't commit certain sins, these sins. I see the Lord now by his spirit. He's making me more like him, more and more like him. Do I still struggle? Yes. Do I have sin in my life at times? Yes. But God is making me more and more like his son. Those that are true believers, he's making you more and more like his son. And that's why now you can start seeing changes in your life. Because you're looking more and more like the son through the process of sanctification. And in sanctification, when sanctification is done, that's the time we'll truly be glorified. We'll be truly complete. But then... As believers, as believers, if you're struggling with doubt and depression, you're struggling right now with particular sins in your life, your head is down in life and feeling like you just can't overcome these certain things, look to Christ. And that's what the song we sang today, all we have is Christ. Look what he has done for you. Secured you forever. Look to him. And as you look to him, he's going to make you more and more like the son. If you're surprised about new sin that came in your life, thank God. Because God has brought to light what has been hidden. A lot of our, think about it this too, is that if God showed us everything in our heart right now, we couldn't stomach to see who we really are. But what God does, he give a little bit at a time. He give a little bit at a time. He give a little bit at a time. To conform us to the image of his son and our kids. We show so much grace to our kids. We don't tell the kids everything, everything, you're nagging, everything, 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 everything. God doesn't just nag. God doesn't nag. God gives us a little bit here. Gives us a little bit here. And when these things, when I see it come to light, we can praise God. 
because God is doing what he said he's going to do, he's sanctifying us. He's getting rid of sin. All those things that are hiding, he's bringing into light. So we get closer to glorification. We get drawn closely. Amen? Amen. Let me give us a couple of applications as we end. If you struggle with assurance, remember that God doesn't share his glory, but he let us partake in the glory that belongs to him. The world doesn't get this. The world doesn't get this. But family, believers in Christ, we get this. The reason for our existence is God's glory. And now we get to join in with him and seeing the most amazing thing for eternity is the glory of God forever. We get it. We get to see it forever. Forever, ever. Ever, ever. Ain't that how the song goes on? Forever, ever. We get it forever. Second thing. Also remember, you are fighting sin. You are suffering for Jesus and it is assuring us that we will join in Christ in his glory. So family, fight sin. Fight sin. Fight it. Fight it every single day. Because you suffer now, you join him in glory forever. Suffer for Christ, but not giving in to the things of this world. Say no to anger. Say no to pornography. Say no to jealousy. Say no to envy. Say no to gossip. Say no to these certain things. Look what we get forever. We get to see the amazing glorious about God forever. What does the word glorious? Last thing here. Last application. If you don't fight sin, that means you're not suffering with Christ. If you don't fight sin, that means you're not an heir of Christ. If you don't fight sin, that means you would not get Christ's glory, God's glory, nor join in in God's glory. For those that are like this, enjoying the sins of this world, that said they believe and said they love the Lord, if you continue in sin, God's grace is not upon you. For those that are in sin, they're fighting. They might mess, they mess up. We all mess up, right? We all in this room mess up. But they hate their sin. They're turning away from it. They're running away. They're running from it. But for those that are continuing sin and enjoying their sin, you're not suffering for Christ. You're enjoying everything right now that was right before you. It's like this, the movie, what is it called? Willy Wonka, Wonder, Charlie Factory. I don't know what. That's a movie or that's one movie. And they're going all the candy and goodies in there. And then somebody that's eating all the goodies, they get everything. For those that want all the goodies in this world, want all the things in this world, and don't want to suffer for Christ, enjoy now. This is the best it's going to get for you. But for us in Christ, as we say no, we get way better than Jolly Ranchers. We get way better than these things in this world. We get Christ and Christ alone. Amen, amen. Let me pray for us.